0: so I know that most of you guys have what you would consider a low point of the week, right? Um, that, that moment that you know every single week, it's, gonna, it's coming up, it's going to happen. Maybe for some of you, it's you know, Monday morning, you're going back to school, you're thinking, man, I've got a whole week ahead of school and homework and listening to teachers and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, it's, maybe for some of you guys that are into sports or whatever, it's, it's practice you know, you look forward to the games, but you can't stay in the practices. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's this moment right now when I get up on the stage every week at Reckless. Um, just kidding, chill, jeez. But whatever that moment is for you, all right? We all have that moment, that low point that we would say, man, this is that one moment or that one time in my schedule, in my week that I don't look forward to, all right? Now, for, for me, it happens on Sunday nights, at nine o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock Central, all right? And it's because there's a little show that comes on called The Kardashians, all right? Now, how many of you guys, come on, first step to overcoming an issue is to admit it. How many of you guys like The Kardashians, you watch it? I love you, it's all good. Uh, My wife, the reason it's such an issue for me is because my wife loves it, so she watches it and I can't stand it, and to the point that I don't feel like I can be in the room. It just drives me nuts. Because think about this, all right? I'm just going to pick on them for a moment, and this is kind of tongue-in-cheek, so don't get too offended. But so, I mean, you think about it. this is This is a show basically about nothing, all right? Let's be honest. I mean, here's a family who, I mean, they're famous for being famous, you know, like, what have they done? They got clothing lines now and all that kind of stuff, and you can, I know, all you groupies in the room can, can explain it. But they're basically famous for, for nothing, all right? And the show, Seinfeld was a show about nothing. You guys probably don't even know what that show is. But this is like, really, to me, is a show about nothing. Because the times that I've walked into the room and my wife is glued to this thing, and it's, I mean, it is rich people problems. You know, like, a whole episode is centered around taking their little dog to doggy daycare or picking them up from the spa because the, you know, the dog needed their nails done. Um, or it's, you know, I'm gonna follow, a whole lesson is about one of the members of the family having karate lessons or them sitting around a, you know, a, a restaurant or a dinner table or whatever and just talking about all of their issues or all of their stuff that they go on that for some reason there are millions of people that find this entertaining. Or you watch an episode about how you know they're building a heliport for their new helicopter or whatever you know at their house. Um, All of these kind of things, and there are millions of people that tune in every single week to this show. And I mean, you got to a certain extent, I got to give them credit because they have created this world that is all about them. I mean, they have kind of come up with this TV show, and they've created. They have a lot of cameras in their house. And they are, you know, everything that they do is in the spotlight, and it's, it's on TV for millions of people to tune in and to watch. It is, they've created a world about themselves. And I don't know if you guys have heard, but the, uh, Kim Kardashian is coming out with a book. Anybody heard that? I know, it's amazing. Um, maybe you're thinking, man, what's that book gonna be about? It's gonna be like some kind of you know, novel. it gonna be this great li- piece of literature. Um... It is a, not only is it a book, but it's a 352-page book. So it's not even like a little kid's book. It's like a big book. 352-page book that she is writing that's going to be full of selfies. I swear to you. If you guys haven't read People Magazine, this is news to you. 352-page book of selfies. And the title of the book is ingenious. It's called Selfish. So in April 2015, some of you guys will run out. There will probably be millions of people that will buy it, where you now have the luxury not of just following her on Instagram and having to scroll through all of her pictures because that's just a pain. But now you've got a book that you can place on your coffee table for all your guests to see, a book that's that thick called Selfish, Selfie's. Of Kim Kardashian. Now, before you get all upset and all that kind of stuff, to a a certain extent, we have to, we have to cut, I've I've got to cut her a break, all right, because the truth is, if all of us were honest, myself included, we are selfish people, right? I mean, I'm not the only one, we're all kind of selfish, right? How many of you guys ever get a little bit selfish? Raise your hand. All right, some of you guys are lying. So everybody repeat after me, I am selfish. See how freeing that is? Like all of us are that way, all right? This isn't just restricted to these rich celebrities who have a TV show about themselves, because I think if, even though a lot of us don't have a TV show about about ourselves, a lot of us would if we could and it would, I don't know if it would be more entertaining than the Kardashian show, but a lot of us are selfish. If we're honest enough tonight, we think a lot of ourselves, or we think of ourselves a lot. We oftentimes think about the things that we want. We oftentimes think about how we can better our life or our cause over everything or everyone else. Now, before we kind of apologize for that, or feel guilty, I mean, that, that, is to, that is part of our human nature. All right, it is embedded deep down inside of every single one of us in this room, where we are, that's a part of who we are, we are selfish people. And so, it's not just the Kardashians, that's a part of who we are. And so, if you wanna judge this, here's a, here's a good gauge, a way that you can, you can judge your level of selfishness, all right? Ask yourself, think about today. How many decisions have I made today that were about me or for me? All right, now just take a minute and think about your day. You don't have to talk to anybody or whatever, but just think about your day. How many of the decisions that you made today were about you or for you? Maybe it was who you talked to at school or who you didn't talk to at school. Maybe this afternoon, you know, you got into this this big spat with mom or dad And when you look back on it, it was all centered around because you wanted what you wanted and they didn't want what you wanted. And so it was all about what you wanted to get out of the deal. Maybe that was the reason why there was some kind of argument. Maybe who you're sitting next to right now in this room is based on a decision that you made, what do I want? I wanna sit with my friends, I wanna sit with that cute guy or that cute girl, I wanna make a decision that's ultimately, so many of the decisions that we make on a daily basis We ask, what's in it for me? How is this gonna better me or my life? Now, again, this is embedded deep within all of us, and some of you guys may be asking, what's the big deal about that? Why does that matter so much? Here's why that matters and where we're going tonight. Because our selfishness can stand in the way of a movement of God. Your selfishness, my selfishness, can stand in the way of us experiencing a movement of God. So all of us are selfish, all right? We're all a part of this thing, and here's what we've gotta understand as we get started. Here's the antidote, all right? Here's the solution. If we wanna say, all right, I wanna stop being selfish, the antidote to selfishness is generosity. The antidote or the solution to our selfishness is generosity. Now here's the definition that we're gonna give tonight for generosity, all right? This is how we're gonna define this. Generosity is eagerly giving away what you have in abundance. All right, now think about for just a minute what generosity means for you based on that definition. Eagerly giving away what you have in abundance. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not because somebody's making you, but willingly, eagerly, Looking forward to giving away what you have in abundance. Now here's what we've got to understand about selfishness. Again, it's, this, this is a part of our human condition. Selfishness is normal, but generosity is rare. It's normal for all of us, because of our sinful nature, to be selfish. That's not difficult. That's not something we have to try hard for. That comes naturally to us. That is a normal thing, but generosity is rare. And here's the thing for all of us in this room as it pertains to a movement of God. The world is calling us to selfishness, but God is calling us to generosity. Now, let me give you a little bit of, of kind of draw a line between what it looks like to live normal, what it looks like to live in selfishness versus what it looks like to live with a generous heart. And maybe as I'm going through these, maybe you just ask these questions of you. And this, would this be true of me? What category would I fall under, the normal or the generous? The normal person asks, what's in it for me? But the generous person asks, what's in it for them? Or here's another one. The normal person asks, how can I bless myself but the generous person asks, how can I bless others? Now here's another one to, to take it a little, bit, a little bit deeper. Maybe this stings a little bit more. The normal person focuses on doing the least for someone. But the generous person focuses on doing the most. How many of those situations are those moments where you said, look, I, I feel like I've gotta help that person, I've gotta do something about this situation. So what's the least I can do? What's the bare minimum that I can do to help that person? Whereas the generous person asks, what's the most that I can do? And here's the last one. The normal person says, let me take care of myself and then I'll give. But the generous person says, let me give and let God take care of me. Now think about the difference between those two. Which one do you fall under? Let me take care of myself and then I'll give versus let me give and then let God take care of me. Here's what Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 9.6. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. The one who plants only a few will get a small, but the one who plants generously will reap Generously. Now here's the thing for us as we're talking about Let the Movement Begin, this series that we're in about praying and expecting to be part of a movement. You and I, if we're a part of this thing, we're not praying for a small crop. We're not hoping for a small return. We're not believing and trusting that God's just going to do a little bit. We're asking God for a movement we're asking God to show up in a significant way. We're asking God to do the impossible. We're expecting much, and if we're gonna expect much, then we've got to sow much. Because if we expect to reap generously, if we expect to, ex- to experience this movement of God, then we've gotta be willing to be generous. If we want a movement of God, it is required of all of us to choose generosity. So here's the question I'm gonna ask you. Are you content with being normal or are you willing to be generous? Now, I love some of the songs that we sang tonight and Spencer was kind of leading us through that because there are so many songs that talk about the abundance of God's grace, the abundance of God's love. And for us, especially as we're singing those words, as believers, generosity is something that should come naturally to us. Or excuse me, let me, let me back up. Is something that we should exhibit the most, more than anybody else. We ought to be the most generous people on the planet. We ought to be the ones that more than anybody else on this earth, we choose generosity. Why? Because we have, hopefully, as believers, have experienced the incredible grace and the outpouring and the overflow of God's love for us. Because you and I serve a God that doesn't just give us a little bit. God just doesn't give us the bare minimum. God just doesn't do the least. God has poured out his love and his grace on us. We sing songs about the incredible goodness of God, the the amazing love, the overflow, the the way that God has literally, like the ice bucket challenge, has dumped his love and his grace and his goodness upon us. And maybe that's a challenge for some of us because we we sing the songs and we talk about this and we go, man, I don't really know that I believe that. I don't know, that's a challenge for me because I don't know if I've really experienced a lot of God's goodness or God's love. Here's what Paul again says in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven and eight. He says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and all understanding. One of the things I love about those two verses is that the, the adjectives that are used to describe God's love, it's an overflow, it's an outpouring, it's all, it's not just a piece, it's not just a little bit, it's not just the, the sum of the sin that's in our life, it's God has forgiven all, God has overflow, over, uh, overwhelmed us with his love, God has outpoured his love, everything that he has, he has given to us. Aren't you glad that we serve a generous God? Aren't you glad that we don't serve a God who just did the bare minimum? That just forgave some of our sin. Just forgave the easy parts. But man, those areas of struggle, those temptations, those things that are really big areas in our life. And God didn't forgive that. And we can't say that about our God. God has not just forgiven a little, God has forgiven everything. God has not held back from us one single thing. And if we believe that, if we've experienced that, then we've got to in turn live that out. Now, go back to the definition again of generous. It says eagerly giving away what you have in abundance. Now, maybe that word abundance is a struggle for some of us because the reason that we, don't, we aren't generous is because of that word. We struggle with that word. Maybe there's some of us that we feel like, man, I don't really have abundance of anything. Man, I don't have a whole lot of money. Man, I look at other people and what they have and you know, I don't have nearly as much as they do. Or Man, I don't really have these gifts or talents or I don't have that. or Man, I haven't really experienced a whole lot of God's goodness. I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out and whether I really believe that this is true. And so that word, abundance, is a hang-up for us. Because our definition of abundance is someone who has more than what we have. And I think for so many of us, that's the problem of why we really struggle with generosity is because we determine our abundance based on the people that have more than we do. See, here's the challenge for us, and this is something that that I've had to wrestle with over this, this last week. Determine your abundance by comparing yourself with those who are less fortunate, not those who are more fortunate. If you want to determine how much in abundance you have of whatever it is, don't compare your situation or yourself or the things that you have to the people that have more than you. You wanna get a true definition of your abundance compared with the people that have less than you. Now let me give you a couple of areas that we can be generous in, all right, just to kinda get get the ball rolling and and give us a little bit of practical uh, application. So the first area, all right, this is is what most people think about when we talk about generosity anyway, so we might as well tackle it, all right, and that's money. All right, let's talk about the area of money. Here's here's a question for us to be able to ask ourselves as it comes to being generous with the things that we have financially, our money. Does our money own us or do we own our money? In other words, based on whatever you've got, if you've got a part-time job or you've got a little bit of money that mom and dad give you or you've got a lot of money that mom and dad give you or whatever it is, you look at what you have, the money that you've, you've saved up or that you've got in your possession. Does the money own you or do you own the money? Does the money dictate ways that you spend it? Does the culture dictate ways that you spend it? Man, I know I got a new phone like six months ago, but man, this has already been cracked, or man, but the, you know, the new iPhone's coming out, and... So I I need to go ahead and get this. To where we become people that we don't own our money, we don't dictate and make decisions about where we're gonna spend it. We allow other people or our money ourselves to do it for us. Do we own our money or does our money own us? Is your first thought when you've got money, however much it is, is your first thought to bless others or to bless yourself? This, uh, this week, and, and maybe some of you guys have, have heard of this website or whatever, there's, there's a website called globalrichlist.com. All right, maybe some of you guys have been out there. You guys can check it later after you get home or whatever. But there's a website that was created, and I think it was some kind of a nonprofit organization, that what you can do on this website is you can go in and you can plug in whatever amount of money that you make in a year or whatever amount of money, maybe if you know what your mom and dad make, you can plug it in and what it will do is it will give you the, the percentage, how much richer or wealthier you are than the rest of the world, all right? So let me give you an example of, of how this plays out. And this will kind of put it into perspective for a lot of us. Let's say, for example, that, how many of you guys have part-time jobs? All right, they're all in the front row, why is that? So part-time jobs, if you're old enough to work or whatever, let's say, for example, that you, you work for minimum wage, all right, and you work, say, 20 hours a week, which with school and all that might be high. Maybe some of you, you are able to do that. But let's say you make minimum wage for 20 hours a week. So over the course of a year, your annual income will be 80, you'll be, excuse me, you'll be wealthier, can't talk, than 81% of the world, all right? Just by having a part-time job at minimum wage, 20 hours a week, you will be wealthier than 81% of the world. Now, maybe some of you guys are saying, well, I don't have a job. Um, let's say, for example, that mom hands you, five, say, $5 a day for lunch, all right? Let's say on average, and, and that if it just equates to, on average, $5 a day for lunch or for a movie or for ice cream or whatever it is that mom and dad give you money for. All right, let's just say it's, it averages out to five bucks a day. Over the course of a year, you will be wealthier than 60% of the world just by being handed five, on average $5 a day for a year. All right, 60%. Now, for a lot of you guys that have been around for, for a little while, you know that there's a, um, we're, we're heavily involved in, in the country of Nicaragua. And so there is a particular village that we work with called the Flags. And um, it, is, it is eye-opening, uh, if you've never been there, to where this is one of the poorest villages in a country that is the second poorest in the Western Hemisphere. All right? So I mean, these, these people have nothing. They are the poorest of the poor that you will probably find in, in most places of the world. And we, you know, we drive up, you know, a bunch of, bunch of rich kids from the U.S. supposedly, and we show up to minister to these people. And it is, I mean, I remember this past year on, on, our, on our trip when we pulled into the village and I heard audible gasps from people on the team that hadn't seen it before. I mean, it literally kind of takes your breath away as you pull in and you see the, the conditions and the way that these people live. Most of the people in this village will live on $2 a day. So this week, and, and this, this was eye-opening for me. All right? I, in what I do, I look at, at myself as you know, a pastor here at, at this church, and you know, it's easy for me sometimes to look and go, oh man, I could make more if I was in the corporate world, or if I did this, or you know, whatever, and it would be easy sometimes for me to say, man, I could, I could make more money if I did other things. But for me, just to put it into context, I make roughly the average of the income in in this community. All right, it's basically average. So you take whatever the average would be in Northwest Atlanta or in in our community, and and I fall in line with just the average income per household, all right? So think about this. This blew my mind. What I make in one year, it would take a person in the flags 115 years to make. What I make in a year, it would take some of those people almost two lifetimes to be able to make. And for me, man, I, I go back and I'm like, I think of all those times where it's easy to complain. Man, I don't have as big of a house as they have, or man, I drive a 1998 piece of crap. Man, it would be a whole lot easier if I had a nicer car. Or, man, I wish that I could do this for my kids. Or I, you know, and we play that comparison game with other people who have more than what we have. And we get selfish and we get upset and then we think that we're not, we don't have an abundance of wealth. And then I think about a stat like that and I think, how selfish am I? How selfish am I? Now, let me be clear about this whole thing, all right? We have not been called to feel guilty about our wealth. But we have been called to be generous with our wealth. We shouldn't feel guilty because we have more than what people in the flags have or other people in the world have. If anything, we should be grateful and it should cause us to be generous. May God, it would be easier for me to compare what I have with other people, but God, I'm going to choose to be generous. I'm going to choose generosity. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to serve or to share. Now here's how that can play out for us. Each week we've got right over here this well that's set up, and we've been doing this for the last couple years. And this is our Nicaragua offering. Maybe if you're new to Reckless or you're new to this room or you don't have any idea what this is, every single week we have this set up. And the opportunity exists for every single one of us to be generous. To look and to say, "Man, God, you've given me much. And out of the abundance of what I have, I'm gonna choose to give. And that may be 50 cents, it may be a dollar, it may be $10, it may be $100 that you wanna drop in. But every single week, there's an opportunity for us to choose generosity. To say, yeah, God, I could easily compare myself with them, but God, I'm gonna compare myself with the people in the flags who have Nothing who need basic human needs like water and food and things that I've got in abundance that I take for granted. And so God, I'm gonna choose generosity. I'm gonna choose to give out of the abundance that you've given to me. And so we're not setting a goal of, hey, we wanna raise this amount of money. Last year, you guys gave over $3,200 to the, to the offering, which is amazing, incredible. And I loved watching over the course of last year, so many of you choose to give generously. And so this year, the opportunity exists every single week starting tonight for you guys to to give as God leads you to give. And again, the goal is not that we're gonna choose to give, hey, we wanna collect $5,000 or $10,000 or whatever, we just wanna choose generosity. Whatever that means for you, that we be on a movement of generosity and this be an opportunity for us every week to do that with our money. Now the other thing Maybe it's influence or gifts. You and I live in the most influential country in the world. All right, America, America. Red, white, and blue. Praise the Lord. Let's sing the national anthem. Right, we're in West Atlanta, Paulding Cobb County. You know, we're, we're patriotic, man. We love the red, white, and blue, and all that kind of stuff, which is great. And we, we, hopefully, a lot of us understand how blessed we are to live in this country and how much influence you have in this room that you could literally right now pick up your phone and put out a tweet, and in a few seconds, it could have influence throughout the world with anybody that has a cell phone or can pick up Twitter, all right? Through one simple app, you have that kind of influence because of the world that you live in and the day and age that you live in. Every single one of us have gifts, have talents, have abilities, have areas of influence that we could choose to use selfishly for our own personal gain, but that God is calling us to use to bless other people. And the challenge for us is to choose to use whatever gifts or talents or abilities that we've got, not to use for our own benefit or to make our name greater on our school campus, but rather to use it as an opportunity to serve and to impact other people. So, man, if you, if you guys are in the room and you serve on the football team, or you're a cheerleader, or you've got academic influence, or whatever it is, those areas that you're involved in that you have influence in, being generous means we choose to use those gifts and influences that God has given to us, not to better our own life, but to better other people. Now there's opportunities for you to do that. I love you know, Mike's video and, and talking about how he just used the gifts that God had given him and it, was, it could have been easy for him to be selfish with those things. He overcame a lack of courage and a lot, a lot of other things but at the end of the day chose to use the gifts that God had given him to bless other people and that's ultimately what it's about, to choose to use the gifts that God's given us to impact and influence other people for the good. Maybe it means that you guys jump in with us for spring break next April and you go with us to Nicaragua. And you not only have influence in our own community but now you've got an opportunity to have influence in a third world country. Maybe it means you jump into something like that. Maybe it means that you jump in on a Sunday morning and you serve in KidQuest with kids and you love on those kids, and you invest in that generation that's coming up behind you, and you remind them what it looks like to passionately love Jesus. Maybe it means that you guys jump in with us on a Sunday morning, and you help influence the church as a whole. Maybe it means you help bring energy to the worship service. Man, that we kinda take over what's become that front right section on whatever service that you serve in, especially the 1045. And you jump in on that and you choose to say, hey, we're going to bring energy. We're going to influence not just the room up here, but we're going to influence the adults downstairs. Because there are so many of the the adults downstairs that are watching you and they're waiting for us to take the charge, to lead the charge, to take command, to say we're going to be the ones that are a part and on the front lines of this movement. Here's the main point for us. If you have it, you have it to give it. If you have it, you have it to give it. Everything that you have is a gift from God. Money, talents, abilities, influence, gifts, whatever it may be. Everything that God has given you is a gift from him. And it was given to you so that you can give it to others. I will never, ever forget a couple years ago when uh, I was a part of one of the the first trips into uh, Guatemala with our church. And I remember the day, and I remember it vividly, where we drove into this um, village, if you want to call it, to to serve food uh, for them. And um, I remember we pulled in, and this was... These were people that lived at a dump. And when I say a dump, and we pulled into this, and it was a complete, I mean, it was a dump. There was, you know, this hill and, and kind of this just big field area that was just full of everybody's garbage. And I watched as, a few minutes after we got there, this dump truck backed up to the edge of this dump. And all of these people, as soon as they saw this dump truck, Start to back up. They all came out from you know, uh, the hill or from underneath the tree or from other parts of this area where they were they were around the trash, and they all gathered around this this dump truck. And the reason that they gathered around this dump truck was because the the garbage man or whatever lifted the back gate, and all of a sudden he just kind of dumped all of the new garbage into the dump. And I watched as all of these people began to pick through other people's crap. Trying to find whatever they could find to either better their situation, to find something that they could sell to make a little bit of money so that they could buy some food, or to find what a lot of us would look at and say, that is, that is worthless to me. They were picking through it like it was Christmas morning desperately trying to find something that would better their situation. And then we drove, or we walked over to this little amphitheater area next door, and all of these people came over from, from this dump site, and we began to, to provide food for them. And it was a little bit of rice and some chicken and some juice, and that was basically it. And I watched as these people lined up, and they as they got to the front of the line, they held out plastic plate or a Tupperware top or a trash can lid or whatever it was that they found in the dump that was what they used to eat off of and they didn't think anything of it, that was a way of life for them that's the way that they lived every single day and they weren't ashamed about it, they just held out their plate and we put chicken on this nasty whatever it was that they put out in front of us and if they were so poor that they couldn't even find a plastic plate or a Tupperware top or whatever it was to put food on. They were so desperate and so poor, we had some styrofoam plates that we would pull out and dump food on. And I remember watching that and just being heartbroken to, to think to myself, how dare you be so self-centered that you complain about some of the first world problems that you complain about on a daily basis, and these people are eating off of trash can lids and plastic Tupperware containers, or if they don't even have that, we have to give them a styrofoam plate. It is so easy for us to choose selfishness. That is the normal thing for us. But God is calling us to something better. God is calling us to generosity. He's calling us to put other people's needs ahead of our own, to look for opportunities to serve the broken and the hurting and the desperate. And when we do that, we experience a movement of God. If we are unwilling to be generous with the things that we have, We are standing in the way of a movement of God. God has called us to be generous because he's been generous to us. So, as we close tonight, are you willing to be generous? Or are you content with being normal? Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for every student and leader, adult that is in this room. God, I thank you that you have poured out your love on us. That you didn't just give us a little bit, the bare minimum, just enough to get us through the day. God, you have given us everything, everything that we need for life and godliness. God, I pray that if there are students in the room that maybe they question your generosity, maybe they've never experienced it for themselves, maybe they don't understand the depths of your love, God, may tonight be the night that you overwhelm them, that you smack them in the face with your incredible love for them. No one is exempt, God, all of us, that is what you've done for us, that's who you are. God, as we experience that, God, help us to be generous people. God, help us not to be caught up in our, our situation and our selfishness and the things that we even justify and think that we need, when in actuality, it's just things that we want. God, may we choose generosity. May we, may we see and be part of a movement of generosity in this community, in this room, in countries like Nicaragua, God, everywhere that you've called us to be. And may you be lifted up and glorified. God, let the movement begin with our generosity. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.